Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we began going through the anaphora of the church, attending to God like the angels, but also in attending to God, we also attend to others as this is how Christ is revealed to us, one of the avenues in which he himself comes and visits us. I want us to continue working through the prayers of the anaphora, the offering to God that we have come this morning together to offer to God. It's important that we pray these particular prayers, not only with fervor, but with understanding. Because in studying the liturgy or looking at the particular prayers, being able to take away from them, not only just kind of that passing image, but the deep biblical images, metaphors, realities, rather, that we are entering into here this morning. After the priest has recalled the presence of the myriad angels, their angelic song that we ourselves are joining to, that triumphant hymn that they shout, that they sing, that they say, the people respond singing, Holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We ourselves, as we know from every Sunday morning and hearing in the hymnody, have entered into the throne room. We are with the angels and we join their cry of holy, 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 the Sanctus. They cried out that the Lord of Sabaoth, well, here's one of those words. What do you think Sabaoth means? I queried some folks, and I got some wrong answers. So, what is Sabaoth? What is God? What? Armies, multitudes. Yes, good, the first. Correct, the Lord of hosts, not the Lord of Sabbath, okay? <laughs> the Lord of Sabaoth. He is the Lord of the hosts, right? Because what have we just said in the Anaphora prayer? Beside him stand thousands of angels, right? We are calling upon the God, the creator of all, who stands with thousands of angels around him. And they sing out that God's glory resounds through all of creation in the heavens and on the earth. Where is this from in scripture? Where do we have this angelic hymn? Holy, holy, holy. Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Where does this come from? Isaiah Isaiah 6, which is where the prophet Isaiah comes into the throne room, the temple of God. And he sees God enthroned and the angels circling, singing this particular hymn. It always, to come into that presence... That we are really here and there. That they meet together. That his glory is not for himself somewhere up above the clouds, as maybe we thought as children. But that his glory resounds here and now. 
that we ourselves mingle our voices with the angelic voices. Where does blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord? Where does that come from? With the writers of the liturgy, when the, the fathers of the church put together the liturgy, they were taking strands of many different parts of the Bible and putting them together for us. We get to hear them as units, and then we forget the echo that they're supposed to give for us. So what is this next line that we sing? Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Does anyone, can anyone hazard a guess? Where does that come from? In the later Matthew, the, the apocalyptic part of the gospel. Yes. The in, Palm Sunday. Excellent. Where what is Palm Sunday echoing? Good guess. No. All right. No more. Psalm. Saint John the Forerunner. No. There is, as you may have guessed. If you guess the Psalter, you're probably in the New Testament going to be right. This is a quote from Psalm 118. Go read Psalm 118 and you're going to hear things that resound throughout our services over and over and over again, especially from Matins, which we don't have catechism class today. But we do have an incredible time with Vigil this evening to be able to enter into and experience the worship of the church to be formed by the prayers. But in Matins, there is especially God is the Lord or the Lord is God. All of the verses, they all come from Psalm 118 because Psalm 118 is this, the psalm that has someone who is calling upon the salvation of God. But he's surrounded by enemies, like bees around him. He is looking for someone to trust because he cannot put his trust in men or in princes. He cannot put his trust and confidence in them because who is he surrounded by? But by those who have turned against him because he is betrayed and he is rejected. But what does the psalmist tell us in this position of being looking for salvation, being surrounded by enemies, but that we look to the God who saves. Christ has these words on his mouth when he comes and will come into a minute with the Palm Sunday. But let's go to another word that we probably hear a lot, but we don't necessarily know what it means. Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Don't. What? No, it doesn't actually. That's what I thought too, until I looked it up. Because we are associate Hosanna with like, Alleluia, right? But Hosanna has a little bit more specific of a meaning. It means save us. It's not just a generic praise or kind of like, Alleluia, you are God. This is save us now. So hear this differently. Save us in the highest, right? We are urgently in need of salvation. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Save us because we need you. Does that not put a completely different spin on when you hear this hymn? We are crying out, Holy, Holy Lord of Sabaoth. We're with the angels. 
We're in the angelic presence. And yet at the same time, we're crying out for salvation. This is exactly the experience that the prophet Isaiah had when he encountered God enthroned, surrounded by the angels. What is Isaiah's response? He falls down before God and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Sabaoth. This is the reality when we come into the presence of God. Not only do we give thanksgiving, we recognize him as holy. That his glory fills the earth, the temple. But that we, in encountering God, realize just how far we fall short of what he has asked of us. That we are undone. That we need to cry out, Hosanna in the highest, because we need salvation. This is why the children are singing out Hosanna at Palm Sunday. This is why he says that in the kingdom, they will have to wait till they can say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The entry of the Lord riding upon the foal of an ass in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is what we experience every divine liturgy. God enthroned in the heavens, but God who has come amongst us in great humility, that we, in seeing him, know we are undone. If we go to Psalm 118, right after the verse is, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We call out, We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Our Lord's entry amongst us is that sacrifice bound to the altar. Because this is exactly where we turn in the prayers. The priest continues with these blessed powers. The blessed powers here, if you've ever wondered what that means, that means it's calling back to the angels. With these blessed angels, O Master who lovest mankind, we also cry aloud and say, Holy art thou in thine only begotten Son and thy Holy Spirit. Holy art thou and all holy and magnificent is thy glory. Who has so loved thy world to give thine only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who, when he had come and fulfilled all the dispensation for us, in the night in which he was given up, or rather gave himself up for the life of the world. The God of angelic armies has sent his only begotten Son on a great rescue mission behind enemy lines. He has brought us eternal life. He's done this by fulfilling the dispensation, or rather the divine plan, or the economy of salvation, everything that he needed to do in order to pick us up out of the pit 
out of the mire to bring us back to the house of the Father. This dispensation of the Son is that not only did he come, he taught, he suffered, he forgave, he loved, he endured all that was put before him willingly. This resounds throughout our hymnody that he gave himself up willingly. The Father gave him and the Son gives himself in obedience and love to the Father. This is the faith that we hear about in Psalm 118. Many of the Psalms, you can hear not only the voice of one struggling to follow God, keep his commandments, or is overwhelmed by the forces around him, but this is the voice of Christ. This is Christ calling out. This is Christ who looks to God to vindicate him, to save him, to raise him up from the dead. Because it is the son who comes and has the faith that Adam did not have. That comes and has the faith in God the Father that all of Israel did not have and could not keep. That the son comes and has the faith that you and I fail to keep. Our Hosanna is heard because God himself has come willingly amongst us to bring us back to God the Father. The epistle this morning gives us an incredible picture of exactly this movement of God down into our reality. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Who could have saved us? Could we deliver ourselves from death? Could we have imparted eternal life to this flesh that is going to die? All of those baptized into Christ sit together in the heavenly places. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have triumphed over death because he himself, God himself, triumphed over death. He raised us up out of the muck, the mire, the pit, the despair, the loneliness, the end, the death of all meaning by giving life meaning. He gave us a song to sing. I just love where the Apostle Paul says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You ain't seen nothing yet. He is pouring out the riches of his grace now and in the ages to come. Paul continues, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Christ coming 
living, dying, being buried, being raised from the dead, sending the Holy Spirit. Christ is the great restorer. He takes a run-down house or a shack and he fits it out. He completely transforms it and makes it into a temple where he himself can dwell. This is exactly what you and I do when we come to receive Holy Communion. We are in a ritual, sacramental participation in the grace of God shown to us in Jesus Christ that culminates in a meal where God is the host and the content of the meal itself. He is the host, but he's also what we feast upon. We ourselves being restored, being brought back so that we can have God within us, so that we can return to that heavenly place. This is exactly why it is especially important to hear the post-communion prayers. First, doing pre-communion prayers to prepare for the reception of Holy Communion, but then also in paying attention to the post-communion prayers. Freely thou hast given me thy body for my food, O thou who art a fire consuming the unworthy. This is exactly what happens to Isaiah when after he falls down before God. What do the angels do? They take a coal off the altar. And what do they do with that coal? Do they light a fire? Isaiah gets his lips seared with the coal. This is exactly what the post-communion prayer is talking about in regards to Holy Communion. A fire that consumes the unworthy. After the end of Holy Communion, the priest says, Lo, this touch your lips, and I shall wash away all your transgressions and cleanse you of all your iniquities. Because we, as we pray in the post-communion prayers, ask God, consume me not, O my Creator, but instead enter into my members, my veins, my heart. Consume the thorns of my transgressions. Cleanse my soul. Sanctify my reasonings. Make firm my knees and body. Illumine my five senses. Nail me to the fear of thee. Nail me to the fear of thee. Always protect, guard, and keep me from soul-destroying words and deeds. Cleanse me, purify me, adorn me. Give me understanding and illumination. Show me to be a temple of thy one spirit and not the home of many sins. May every evil thing, every carnal passion flee from me as from a fire as, as I become thy tabernacle through communion. We are in the pre-feast of the entry of the Theotokos into the temple. The Theotokos, the first Christian, the one who said yes and had Christ within her, born within her, we have before us the exact analogy. We ourselves need to not only enter into the temple, but we ourselves need to become the temple. Let us become rich towards God. Let us not continue to live in dilapidated existence. Let us not store up riches towards things that are just going to be destroyed, that are not going to last. Let us be rich towards God. Let us lay aside all earthly cares and let us attend to the offering of our Lord. 
Because truly the heavens and the earth are full of the glory of the Lamb of God. So let us sing Hosanna in the highest. Save us now. Blessed is Jesus Christ, the one who comes. Save us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.